Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we do thank you once again for the opportunity we have to come together, Lord. And I do pray that as we're in your word, I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, what a great, great section to be in, especially where we're at in, in, in uh, what's going on in the world around us. What a great, great place to read. And I pray that today and, and the following uh, weeks and months as we study this, that, Lord, it won't just be words that we're looking at. It won't just be stories that we hear. It won't just be good ideas. But God, you would penetrate our lives with this. It would go deep in our hearts that, God, we could live this out. We could flesh it out. And Lord, that the, even though the world seems chaotic and a little bit of crazy going on, Lord, that we know the one stable, safe place is you. So I pray, God, that you would bless this time and that you would encourage our hearts and that you would draw us near you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. At the end of chapter 11... Paul, I almost said Paul, although I don't think Paul wrote this, but I almost always say Paul. The author brought up faith, right? The just shall live by faith. Now he's going to spend an entire chapter talking about faith, which, listen, I believe it's almost essential for this reason. These guys are struggling, right? We've talked about that. They're having a hard time. And I don't know if you guys realize it, but walking by faith is hard. Walking by sight's easy, right? Because you see things and you do it. Walking by faith is difficult. I remember hearing Pastor Chuck one time, Chuck Smith, say, if walking by faith was easy, everybody would be doing it. So listen, it was hard for them, and it's hard for us. And now he's going to take the time to really, number one, define faith, and then number two, give us examples of ordinary people Walking by faith and trusting the Lord. I love, listen, uh, you know, I love this chapter. I love this chapter as far as Bible chapters go. I think this is one of the funnest and, and one of the most encouraging that you can come to. And listen, it's funny that a lot of people just really don't like the first part of Hebrews. They kind of go, they get bogged down in all of the theology and stuff. Hey, if you don't have good theology, you're not going to have good faith. That's just that simple. So he's given us the good theology so that we will have a good, strong faith. Now, as we get into this, I want to list a couple things faith is not. Because I think even in the church, at times we have a misconception of faith. Number one, what he's talking about is not the body of faith that we believe in. In other words, things we believe in. That's not what he's talking about when he brings this up. And then also, listen, this faith that he's talking about is not just optimism. Like, I'm an eternal optimist. Some people ask me, is the glass, glass half full or half empty? My answer always is, it's just about full. See, I'm one of those people that, that I see things, and, you know, it's funny when some things have happened to me. Some people say, well, what about, and I go, didn't even cross my mind that that would happen, right? So I'm that guy, but faith is not optimism. Listen, it's not positive thinking, and especially it's not positive speaking or positive confession. I just watched a, a, a video yesterday of, of a person who walked away from the church, walked away from believing 
because the mega church she was part of had taught that if you just have enough faith, here's what's gonna happen. And if you just believed, here's what's gonna happen. And those things didn't happen. And this person and her husband got discouraged and walked away. That's, listen, that's not biblical faith. That's, you know, magic or whatever. So faith is also not presumption. It's not something to be true without facts. And then it's not also, it's not just, we, we naturally have faith. And by that, here's what I mean. Most of you came in and sat down, right? You believe those chairs were gonna hold you. You didn't realize that three of them, we sawed most of the stuff off and they're ready to break. Listen, you just sit down, or uh, this is my favorite one. People say, you know, we just did, uh, I, I was noticing on, on Dave Ramsey's thing, all that. They had a lot of cash on stage. Did you guys notice that? I was like freaked out. There was a, you know, they're flipping cash around like crazy. And here's what we think. We think that's money. All that is is paper. But we have faith that we can spend it, right? So that's natural faith. What we're talking about is biblical faith, and it's something entirely different. Now, Warren Wiersbe, I think, has one of the best definitions uh, given to us. Here's what Warren Wiersbe says. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences. I think that's a great definition that we have, listen, we have a heart and we have this confident obedience to what God has said. Whether it's a promise to us, whether it's a warning to us, we have that. Now another one, this is the old dead guy, uh, Simon Kistemacher. Here's what he says, I, I like the way he puts it. He says, because we're gonna read about some heroes a, a little later on in the study. He says, the heroes of faith have one thing in common. They all put their undivided confidence in God. In spite of their trials and their difficult circumstance, they triumphed because of their trust in God. Now, triumph doesn't always mean here. Our triumph can be when we go to be with him and we're there. So, thinking about that, that's, listen, that's what we're gonna look at today. And today, we're just gonna look at these first few verses, and my hope and prayer is, as we look at these, that it would give you and I a confidence in God's word and what God has said, especially in the, in the times we're living in and the things going on around us. I think it's like, this is the most bizarre time I've ever lived. And you know, listen, I'm not just talking about politically, I'm talking about everything. Everything seems to me to be just kind of like fuzzy and hazy and what on earth? It's like, it's like I keep expecting to wake up, right? And say, oh, that didn't really happen. But listen, if we walk by faith in God and trust him, that's why we push and push and push to read through the Bible in a year. Listen, your faith is only gonna be as strong as your knowledge of God and your understanding of God. And your understanding of God is only gonna grow as you read his revelation of who he is and, and you study that and you embed that in our hearts. So having said all that, let's read these, uh, uh, at least the first verse and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit, talk about things. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Now listen, I think, I, I read that and, 
it makes sense to me, but I know some people, they read that and they go, you know what, I'm not really sure I understand it. And then some of the translations, listen, one translation says this, uh, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and conviction of things not seen. So listen, read a few translations, but here's what he's saying to you and I. When we have faith, we have hope. Because our hope is, listen, our hope is not pie in the sky. Our hope is in what God has revealed to us and shown us. I always use this example. I know I'm going to heaven. So I have hope, right? I have hope I'm going to heaven. Now I don't sit and go, man, I really, really, really hope I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for my sins. I have assurance of that because of the promise and, and what he has done and what God has given me. So that's what he's talking about. Listen, again, it's not just, well, I really hope this is true. It's like, I have assurance of things hoped for, different things. Listen, I know Jesus is coming back. I don't think soon enough at times, but listen, I know he's coming back. Why? Because he said so. He told me he's coming back. I know when I first got saved, I, I was in a church for a long time as a little guy and, and even a preteen. I was in church. I was an altar boy. I did things. But I was in a church that spoke a whole different archaic language. It wasn't the Catholic church. It was a Serbian Orthodox church. And, and so it was all ritual. But you know what? The thing that upset me the most, like I was in church the whole time. I never learned anything about Jesus. And I didn't learn about the Bible. I just learned what to do, how to do it, how to cross myself how to do certain things. I had all the ritual down, how to say, yes, I'm a sinner. I, I learned all those things, but didn't learn about Jesus. But you know what the important thing I didn't learn about Jesus? When I got saved and I found out Jesus was coming back, I was really angry that nobody thought that was important to tell me. Like in my whole life, up to age 31, nobody bothered to say, hey, Jesus is coming back. That's good information, and listen, I know he's coming back. Why? Because the Bible says so. So listen, it's the things, you know, it's the, again, assurance of things hoped for. And then I love this, it's evidence of things not seen. What does he mean by that? Once again, I think he's talking about things that we trust and believe in. But even greater than that, listen, faith is evidence of things not seen. I believe in a spiritual world. I believe there's stuff going on in this room that if the curtain was pulled back and we could see it, would blow our mind. Those are things not seen. And listen, why do I believe that? Because the Bible tells me so. The scriptures point that out and give me that vision. I like to think of it this way, like we use our eyes, right? We use our eyes to see things and be convinced of what we see. We use our tongues to taste things, to you know, convince us of what they taste like, to smell, to convince us of what they smell like, unless you have COVID. But other than that, you know, it's functioning. We have those things, those are organs used. Think of it this way, faith is the organ used to be able to see the things that aren't seen that aren't there. We use that organ, and once again, you have to exercise it, and you have to, to uh, be somebody who's using it. Now, R. Kent Hughes says this, true faith is neither brainless nor, sensational, nor sentimental feeling. It is a solid conviction resting on God's word, 
words that make the future present, listen to this, and the invisible seen. I love that. Listen, faith is that thing that, that brings all of that about. And not what the, that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Now, why is this important? Because we struggle with life. Because of what goes on. Listen, we can be people who walk by sight and you're getting news, you're getting, you know, I, I, I think a lot of us have given up on news and we're not doing news, but we're doing social media, we're doing other things, we're getting all of this information. And you can either walk by that and let that affect your decisions and what you're gonna do, or you can get into God's word and do things God's way and walk God's way. And listen, you're gonna go through the same exact circumstances, but you're gonna face them differently because you're trusting in God's word. And that's what it's all about. So listen, he lays that out. He kind of, and I like it, he kind of throws that out. Now listen, here's what's important. According to verse six, I did read ahead. According to verse six, it says, uh, says uh, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So this is an essential thing in our life, and we'll cover that verse in, in a couple weeks. But listen, we need to understand, we have this faith, and then he gives us this example. So as he does it, as he's talking about it, in verse two, it says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, as he brings that up, listen, I think it's interesting. He's going to spend a long time giving us examples of men and women who exercise faith. And we're going to spend a long time looking at them and, 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 and absorbing that. But I love the idea how he just clumps it all in one to start with. And here's what he's letting us know. Walking by faith's not impossible. People have been doing it for thousands of years. And you and I need to take encouragement from the fact that those have gone before us have been successful. Listen, I'm not talking about, you know, great success in the world. They've been successful in walking through this world by faith, in walking through difficult circumstances, some of them great circumstances, and that's what our lives are gonna be about. Some of us, some of us have really good lives, and, you know, it's funny, some people go, well, you have an easy life, and, you know, and, and they, they sometimes pick on some people who make good choices, and their life is easier, and they make bad choices, and their life is harder, huh? You know, you might do a little bit of study there and try and figure things out. But, hey, some of us are gonna walk through horrible things. And they, we can either allow those things to bring us all the way down, or we can face those things in faith, trusting in God, and allowing him to, again, be with us as we walk through those things. And he says, hey, the elders of old, they did this. They walked by this. And listen, they all exercised faith. Now he's gonna get into some people in a moment, but first, and here's what blows my mind. He's talking about faith, and he's talking about the witness and the testimony, and then instead of going directly to those, I think he goes to the greatest testimony in the universe, he goes to creation. And that's interesting, now listen, that's a thing that people wanna fight about and argue about, and I think it's kinda of crazy, but he goes to creation, and you know, whenever I think of creation, here's the thing, when we talk about creation, bottom line, 
bottom, 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 real, honest, gut check line, there's only two, uh, uh, two things or two uh, uh, ideas of creation. One is speculation and the other is revelation. And you're in one camp or the other. Because, hey, none of us were there when he created, right? And Job, I love this in Job. I don't love the book of Job so much. Whenever I do the book of Job, I get to be Job. So anyway, Job 38, I love it when, you know, there, there's that whole interaction. I wish somebody would do a play on Job. Like, wouldn't it be great to see a, a three-man play on Job or something, just three guys up here doing it? But anyway, I love the back and forth and the back and forth, and, and they're doing stuff, and then, and then finally God shows up, right? You know, the, the three guys come, and they say a lot of stuff, and they pick on Job, and they put Job down, and Job answers them, and then the young guy shows up, and he goes, I'm the, I'm the dude, man, I got the answers, and then they go back and forth. And then I love it, God shows up in verse 38, and here's what God says when Job's whining and having a fit, here's what God says says, hey, Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Here's what God says. Where were you when I created things? Now, if you can believe that God created everything there is, you can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your future. If you have a struggle with the idea that he created everything, you're going to struggle with everything else. So listen, he says, he says, these guys have the testimony. We're going to talk about those in a minute. But first, verse 3, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made of things which were not made of things which are visible. So, hey, first of all, I want to clarify something because it's weird. I didn't realize this until I was studying this time. There are some people who translate in and, and, and this verse and, and, and teach this verse, and, and here's what they say. They say God created by faith, because it says by faith we understand. And here's what they say. We understand, they twist it around. We understand by faith God created. Listen, God didn't create by faith. God doesn't need faith. So I, I read that and I thought, well, that's a little weird. No, what he's saying is you and I, by faith, believe that he created. Why? Because we weren't there. You know, actually, last night somebody said something. Actually, there's one person who might have, could have been sort of a witness, and that's Adam, right? Adam was like there in the very beginning anyway, right? He had some kind of insight. And it's interesting that the author doesn't bring Adam up. He goes way back, but he doesn't go to Adam. But, but listen, maybe Adam, but none of us were there. And I don't care what science says, they weren't there. No one was there. Nobody knows factually the creation. By faith, we understand now, when I was in Bible college, the director said something that has stuck with me. Well, he said several things, but one, one thing that I always go back to is this. Is God gives us enough evidence to confirm our faith, but never so much to negate it, because we have to walk by faith. But he gives us plenty of evidence to rest on that faith. And I believe creation, I believe there's enough evidence out there that God created that I don't have to, you know, I don't have to argue with it, I don't have to do it, but man, there are those who over and over, they wanna speculate and they wanna, they wanna say things as fact and they're not. 
Again, science, I, I have a definition here for science. Science, by definition, is limited to the observable, the measurable, and the repeatable. Do you get that? If you talk to scientists and that's what they say, because here's what they'll tell you. If you tell them God created, they'll go, no, no, no. Science says it needs to be measured, observed, and repeated. And then here's what they do. They say that and then, right after that, they go on speculating about the origins of the earth because they cannot measure it, they didn't observe it, and they can't repeat it. It's like, duh. I wish everybody in this argument would just be honest. Listen, I'm honest. I'm believing by faith. I'm believing what God said. I wasn't there. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting his revelation. Here's what I know. He was there, but I'm trusting him. I wished science would just say, we cannot figure it out. We haven't figured it out. We're working on it. Even if they just said that, hey, we're working on it. But they say, no, this is a fact. No, it's not. They don't have, you know, whether you're talking about the Big Bang. I don't care what theory you plug in there. It's not, it's not factual. It's all a theory. And if they would just say that as we have discussions. I don't mind having a discussion. I was watching somebody, again, I was, I was doing some YouTube stuff this week, watching this person deny their faith, and, and you know, another person, I was watching somebody, he went on, he, and I don't know what college campus he was on, but he went on somebody and, and, and stopped this person who was the head of one of the science departments. I mean the head, not just, you know, the head professor. And he stopped him and he said, okay, and he said, do you believe in creation? And the guy goes, no, I'm an atheist. And he goes, okay, great. I, always thought, I think that's funny how to start the conversation, right? And he says, can you explain evolution to me? And he starts, you know, all the blah, blah. And he goes, no, 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 no. Evolution says that something that was this form changed into something that it was not. He says, I'm not talking about a cat changing into different kinds of cats. I'm talking about a cat turning into a giraffe. I'm using a big extreme, Right? And he says, listen, and, and the guy goes, well, let me think about it. And I thought, you don't have to think very long, bro. Nothing has ever, listen, nothing has ever changed what it was. And this guy's like thinking and thinking, and then, and then, and then he goes, you know, and he brings up things like, you know, finches. And there was a certain finch that turned into another finch. And, and so the guy says, it's still a finch. I want a finch that turns into a horse or whatever, you know? And the guy says, well, that's not fair. Hmm. And that's generally what happens. Listen, by faith, I believe God started with nothing but himself and he spoke it into existence. By faith, I believe that. Why? Well, the Bible tells me so. We're starting the Bible reading every year when we start. I love reading Genesis chapter one. I wish it was more information sometimes. I'm thinking, you know, God, you're kind of brief here. You know, you just like blow through this. You, you create an entire universe and we'll talk a moment how big it is. You, you know, you do this whole huge thing in one chapter. And then you spend the whole rest of the Bible talking about what? Redemption. What's important? Redemption, not creation. 
Come on, that's a, that needs to get in our heads of what is really important. And it's like, and, and then it's always fascinating to me, the Bible starts out with this, in the beginning, God. He doesn't defend that he was in the beginning. He doesn't try and explain that he's in the beginning. He just states he is. And God has always been. God is eternal. And again, that's something I think that's difficult for us to comprehend, right? God being forever. Forever forward, I think, again, I've talked about this a lot. I think going forward is kind of, kind of feasible. We can kind of think that way. But going backwards, like do you ever sit and think about there was never a time when God wasn't? And how long was that? Forever. And, and I, here's what I think. What did he do forever before he created? Like, and then I try and put it in a time frame like it was this long. No, it was forever. God has always existed. And then he created and he spoke the worlds into existence. That is mind boggling. He didn't start with something. He spoke them into, he didn't start like, you know, with a rock or whatever. He spoke things into existence. And as he spoke them into existence, you just, you know, you just get this picture of, you know, it just expanded and it's bigger and bigger. And, and I'm just like, it's mind boggling when you think about, you think about the universe and all of the things. Listen, I, I wrote down some of the things of, of uh, you know, how, how big our universe is. If you could somehow put 1.2 million Earths inside the sun, you would still have room for 4.3 million moons. I mean, you just start thinking about this stuff, right? The sun is 865,000 miles in diameter. That's big. That's huge. And then it says, listen, and it's 93 million miles from the Earth. Now, our next nearest star is Alpha Centauri, which is five times larger than our sun. So just get a picture of that. That's just one star. There's millions of stars, right? If not billions. And you have that. And now this one I like. The moon is only, listen to this, it's only 211,000 plus, 211,000 miles away. That's, it's only that far. Do you know you could walk that far in 27 years? That's kind of interesting, right? Like if we started walking today, 27 years we could reach the moon. I kind of find that fascinating, just in my mind. I'm just thinking, well, that would be sort of fun. Why are they using rockets? Why didn't someone just walk there, right? It's just like interesting to me. So you can do that. I know we have kids in here today and you guys are gonna have fun after church. Explaining me to children. A ray of light travels 186,000 miles per second, so a beam of light would reach the moon in only one and a half seconds. If we could travel at that speed, it would take two minutes and, eight, two minutes and 18 seconds to reach Venus, four and a half minutes to reach Mercury, one hour and 11 seconds to reach Saturn, to reach Pluto, 2.7 billion miles from the Earth would take nearly four hours. So you're kind of getting the idea, this place is huge. And yet it's only part, our galaxy is 600 trillion miles across or 100,000 light years. That's just our galaxy. And then it says ours is one of some 100,000 galaxies. So you look at all of that. How could God make that? Because he's God. And when I think of all of that, and my Bible says he holds everything 
in the palm of his hand? What really do I have to worry about? What really do I have to be concerned about? Now, I'm one, I believe he did all this in six days. I'm, I'm a, you know, I take, I take Genesis chapter one literal, and I know there's a lot of arguments, and, and I don't think it's an issue we need to, you know, break fellowship over. I think it's something we can discuss, and I would love to have discussions with people, but I'm not gonna, like, not fellowship with you if you think, you know, the earth is way old. But here's the thing that bothers me about science again. When I was in school, and I'm in my 60s, okay? So when I was in school, the, the, the universe was, and earth was, like I think they were saying five million years old. I know it was under 10. Now what do they say? It's billions. Like I always say this, I'm not that old that things went from five million to billions, right? It's crazy what they say. Why do they do that? Because they don't know. And then people will always tell me this, Really, how could God, we just read light years, we read all that, how could God create that and something take, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, 100 light years to get here and yet it's here instantaneously. How did he do that? Number one, he's God, that's how he did it. Number two, listen, God can create things to look old when they're one minute old. How do I know that? I think it's pretty simple. Do you think he created Adam as a little baby? Stuck a baby? Here, hope you survive. What do we know about babies? They need moms, right? Not dads. Listen, I think he created Adam as a mature male. I think he created Eve. I think when Adam was one second old, he, he was mature. And everybody goes, well, what age is that? Don't know but mature, we're just gonna use the word mature. Couldn't he do the same with the earth? Couldn't he do the same with the solar system? Couldn't he do the same with every galaxy that's out there? Absolutely. Once again, it depends on how big is your God? Hey, if you limit your God, you're going to limit your faith and you're gonna limit your hope and you're going to limit the unseen things and you're not gonna have so much fun in this world. But if you have a big God, it's not a problem. And I think we need to understand that. Now, I, I do like, and I've had a couple conversations with, with some scientists and different people, and you know, when you have conversations with them, you know, I always go, and I think a lot of you know this, when I have conversations, I always go to this one thing. I think it, you know, we can ask them simple questions like you could ask them on evolution. Tell me when, when like things have changed. In other words, they're no longer like what they were. A, a, you know, a horse turning into a, a cat or whatever we want to say that doesn't you know so we can ask people that about evolution and that's fine but my favorite question is to ask them is if you can get something from nothing and you can't scientifically that's impossible so here's what they have to answer something has to be eternal period Something has to be eternal for us to even exist. And I will tell science, scientists, I don't even care if you tell them, well, I do care, but you know what I'm saying. If you want to say it's a rock, that's your business. You can be a doofus if you want. But something has to be eternal to get anything. We not, just being, this is real science here. You have to have something in the start. Create a vacuum and you got nothing. 
And you're going to get nothing out of that vacuum until you put something in that vacuum. So when I ask them that, here's what they all do. They almost all deflect to this. Well, now you're talking, uh, uh, you know, now you're talking, uh, I was going to say psychology, not psychology, philosophy. Now you're just getting, you know, philosophical on me. And I go, no, I'm asking you as a scientist. Scientifically, can you do that? So, uh, you know, again, I think, I think philosophy fails. I think science fails. Listen to this. This guy, this guy, Sir John Eccles, a Nobel laureate, in, check this out, neurophysiology. Here's what he said. The odds against the right combination of circumstances occurring to have evolved into intelligent life on earth are Im- highly improbable. But then he went on to say that he believes such thing occurred. I don't think it could ever occur, but I think it did. That's like, listen, I don't think these, this guy's a, listen, he's a Nobel laureate. He's a, what, a neurophysiologist? That's a brain, right? That's a guy that's got some intelligence. And you say that? Oh, here's another one. Here's one more. And we'll kind of stop on my rant. A physics professor, right? T.L. Moore from the University of Cincinnati said, to talk of evolution of thought from, uh, from sea slime to amoeba and from amoeba to self-conscious thinking man means nothing. It is the easy solution for, of a thoughtless brain. Wow, that guy's not a believer. Listen, we need to understand this. And I think, listen, I think, I think personally, we should be proud to be creationists. Why? The other's just speculation. And I believe, listen, we need to do enough study and we need to understand. So why, why does it break down where so many people aren't gonna believe Hebrews 11.3? Why do people wanna, why do people so wanna reject the fact that God created? It's one reason, it's not intellect at all. It's not an intellectual, it's a volitional problem. And here's the thing, if they believe, if they say they believe God created, that makes them now responsible to that God. And they don't wanna do that. That's the issue, that's what it all boils down to. And that's what this, these first three verses boil down to. Either we can be men and women who are gonna make ourselves responsible and to a God who created things and be able to trust him, or we can reject the whole thing. Check it out, man, since Adam. There are those who believe and those who don't believe. I believe, listen, I believe there's only, quote, two races in the world, believers and unbelievers. And unbelievers, listen, they reject. They reject what God is gonna do for one reason. They don't wanna be accountable to him. Now, if you really understand God, if you read your Bible and understand, being accountable to him isn't hard because you kind of fall in love with him. I use this example I don't mind being accountable to my wife. As a matter of fact, I kind of like it. I don't mind doing what she asks me most of the time. Notice I qualify that. Why? Because I love her, and I don't mind doing that. It's the same with God. The more I fall in love with God, the easier it is to be accountable to him and to do what he says. And so how does all that happen? by faith. I've never seen God. God's never spoke to me audibly. 
kind of wished he had at times, but he's not. But God has revealed himself to me. And he's not revealed himself to me in some mystical way. God has revealed himself to me through this thing called the Bible. As I read the Bible and understand who he is, I fall more and more and more in love with him. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through three, could be summed up in this. Trust God. It's that simple. What is faith? Faith is trusting God. Going back to Warren Wiersbe's definition, right? He gave us a very simple definition. Biblical faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite, in spite of what our eyes may tell us, in spite of what our touch may tell us, we're gonna have confident obedience in God's word. And then, listen, then we can be like Abel and, and Noah and Enoch and Abraham and Joshua and all of these guys we're gonna read about. They weren't superhumans. Who were they? There were some people that were just sitting one day and God said, hey, why don't you go do this? And they either exercise faith or not. That's our choice. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you. I thank you today, God, for just challenging us, bringing us to this place where, where Lord, we can either trust you or not. And, and just like getting down to it. And I know, listen, I know we all don't walk by perfect faith. I know I don't walk by perfect faith, Lord. But here's what I know. You're a perfect God. And I thank you that even when my faith dwindles, even when my faith is about to be snuffed out, I thank you that you are completely faithful. Lord, what a blessing to know that your faithfulness does not depend upon how strong we are in our faith, but your faithfulness depends on you. And I thank you that the more we know you, the more we trust you. And Lord, so give us a hunger for you and for who you are. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just a couple more minutes. And if you are here today and you've never exercise the very first part of faith. In other words, you've never trusted God for your salvation. You've never come to the place where you've said yes to him. Then today is the day. Right now is the time to take that step. He's calling you. You're not here by accident. All you have to do is admit to God that you're a sinner and let him know that you know. Listen, he's not wondering. He already knows but you need to know, you need to come to the place where you can admit you're a sinner, then you need to be sorry for your sin, and then the greatest news of all is you need to ask him to forgive your sin, and God will forgive your sin, because that's why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. So if you wanna do that here this morning, I'm gonna say a prayer. And listen, if you're serious about this, repeat this prayer after me. You can say it out loud, you can say it silently, but listen, volume isn't important. What's important is your heart. If you're watching online at home and you're sitting in your home right now, you got your feet up and you're in your PJs, you can say this prayer with us. You don't have to be here. If you're backslidden, maybe you, know, maybe you came to church today, you've been backslidden for a while, it's the beginning of a year, you came to church, thought, man, I'm gonna start getting things right, then you know what? Say this prayer with us, come home. 
come back to Jesus, he will receive you. So let's say this prayer together. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you right now to be my Lord and my Savior.